In the morning I say you are good. Come on, you can find your seat. In the evening I say you are good. You are good to me. Amen? And I'm just going to keep singing. How's that? We'll just, we'll just have some fun this morning. Do you remember that time last year we tried to do that at Mother's Day and I started singing My Girl? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll just do that again. I've got sunshine. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to White Rock Christian Academy. Come on, once again. And we're so glad to have you guys. Man, this is kind of like the first time back here in, what's it been, like three months, two, two or three months. And, and for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, we spent the last, I think it was eight weeks back at a, at a building that we own down on Prospect Avenue called Life Center. We did summer at Life Center. It was so much fun. It was this beach vibe and, and uh, really enjoyed it, kind of a different feel to it. But we really felt like God had put in our hearts to come back here to White Rock Christian Academy to continue to see God grow our church. And, and there's something prophetic that happens when you move locations. There's something we believe that God does. And so as we come into this new season here at White Rock Christian Academy, I want to let you know that as your pastors, we are so excited and expecting great things from our great God. Yeah. And, and I hope that you are as well. Are you ready to see what God wants to do? Amen. Well, hey, we're going to be starting a brand new sermon series here, uh, and this morning is kind of a kickoff. It's kind of a one-off, really, for a sermon, but really it is to kick off our new sermon series. And, and as we begin to pray into, God, what do you want for us in this next season? As we go back to White Rock Christian Academy, what is the theme that you want us to focus on? And, and what we really felt, and what I really felt in my heart, is this theme of first love. First love. And this idea began to be birthed in my heart, and my wife and I began to talk about it and pray about it, and we began to get excited about it. And as we began to think about this idea of first love, I was reminded of a scripture in Revelations chapter 2, verse 4. And it's in the first letter of Jesus to the seven churches. And by the way, just a little, little hint, little update for you, a little preview. Uh, in about four weeks, we're actually going to jump into a sermon series from Revelation on the seven letters to the seven churches. But this morning, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a preview of that as we dive into the message today. And in, in, in Revelations chapter 2, verse 4, uh, John is writing the words of Jesus, and he's writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. And he, this is what he says. He says, yeah, I've got all these great things that you're doing. I see your patience. I see your trust. I see that you're holding fast to doctrine. You're not letting go of the truth of what God's word has said. I can see that you're doing all these things. But nevertheless, I have this one thing against you, that you have left your first love. And how many know that we serve a God who is present and with us today? Yeah. And I believe that this God is constantly calling us back into right relationship with him. I believe that God is constantly calling you and I and all of us back into his presence. J James says it this way, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God is calling us back into his presence, graciously calling us. No matter where you're coming from today, he is calling to you. And this word that was spoken to this church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, I think, resonates with us today, which is, would you come back to your first love? And when I thought about this idea of first love, these words started to pop into my mind. Words like passion. Words like intimacy. Words like desire. Words like hunger 
desperation, fire, anointing. God is calling us back to our first love. But, but here's, here's the thing about this concept of first love. I think it would be oversimplistic for me this morning to say, okay, just, just imagine, you know, that relationship you had in third grade and how you, like, you know, just had the butterflies in your system and, and you couldn't even deal with looking at this person and all you could think about was their name. Just go back to that again with your relationship with Jesus. I think that might be an oversimplification this morning. Because how many know that it's, it's tough to recapture that? I think the best analogy I could give you for this idea of first love is, is buying a new car. Who here has ever bought a new car? Okay, do you know that feeling that I'm talking about when you buy a new car? Come on, you buy the new car, and you walk in, you get into it that first time, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, where's the starter? Oh, my goodness, it is a push button. Or maybe you're, like, really advanced, and it's like your voice. Car, turn on. Yes, master. And the car turns on. You know, and you sit down, that leather just feels so good to sit on. You, you test the heated seat, even though it's 30 degrees out, because you just want to know that it works. And you're so excited. You turn that stereo on, and the sound is just, oh, man, it just sounds so good. And you turn it up, and, and man, you're, you're hearing that loud sound. And then, then you get to go for a drive. And you're like, oh, this definitely drives better than anything I've ever driven before. <laughs> Right, and you're just going down the road. It just feels so good. And then you go to bed that night, and your last thought is about your new car. <sighs> and then you wake up in the morning. You're like, why am I so excited for this day? Oh, yeah, I've got a new car. Right, and it's just like this excitement, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. But how many knows that the, the new car feeling fades? That it's maybe, you know, a week or two. Maybe it's, for some of you, a couple of months. Maybe it's a year. I don't know. Maybe you'll always love your car. But that new car feeling tends to fade. And what it's replaced with is either a deeper love and affection for your vehicle or a desire to replace it. <laughs> and what God is calling us to here is a deeper love and affection for him. Uh, what I found in, in relationships in particular is that, you know, my wife and I, we've been married now for 18 years. And there was a first love moment. There was that moment where I remember we were sitting on the couch. We were watching Shrek. That's, that's my era, okay? And I was like, you know, 22, 23, 24. So I was like 22. And she was sitting beside me. We were at some meeting, and there was a bunch of youth with us, and we're all hanging out. And all of a sudden, I looked up at her, and my mind just was blown. I was like, whoa! She's amazing! And it was amazing. It was incredible. And it was this first love moment. And what I found is that those moments still come, but now there's a depth behind it. There's, there's experience behind it. There's something that is behind it because I have continually, intentionally pursued her. If you want to know what it means to look like a first love, I think you can look at examples like, um, like Bjork and Ralph Marthy, who we just celebrated his life yesterday, this, this couple that have been married for 61 years, and to hear their kids talk about their relationship, it was still passionate 61 years later. I think the relationship that God is calling us to is a relationship that is deep and real and authentic. God is calling us to our first love. Coming back to this, when I think about this again, it reminds me of a prayer from David, this prayer of repentance in Psalm 51 verse 12 where he says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. In other words, this implies that it is possible to rekindle that love. This is also grace for us to recognize that we can often drift or move away from our first love. 
But today, God is calling us, Life Church, back to Him. God is calling us into the pursuit of Him. And if I were to title this message this morning, I would entitle it, The God Chasers. So here's how we're going to approach this this morning. That's my introduction. This is how we're going to approach this. We're going to read a scripture. It's actually a story from the Bible. I'm going to drop that, okay? Then we're going to move into the next part of the message, and then we're going to revisit that at the end of the message. But I want you to have the context before we get there, okay? You with me? Ready to do a little bit of Bible work this morning? Okay, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Genesis 32, verse 24. Um, to give you a little bit of context, this is the story of Jacob. Um, he has just fled from his father-in-law Laban, okay? And he's got his family with him, and they're coming back to meet up with his brother, who he's estranged with, and he is scared to death of for various reasons that I'm going to get into in a bit, okay? But he's coming towards that, and this is what happens. He sends his family off ahead of him. He's about to go meet with his brother. This is a big moment for him. And he's on the bench, on, on the, on the um, bench of, a, of a creek, and he's camped there by himself. And it says this, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the hip of his socket, a socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go. For the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Okay, don't worry. This is going to make sense in just a moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence this morning, Lord God. We thank you for your word, God. We value the word of God at Life Church, And God, we, we God, come under the authority of your word this morning, Lord God. We pray that you would, God, I pray that you would use these lips of clay to glorify your name, Lord Jesus. I get out of the way this morning, God, and I say you do whatever you want to do in this place, Lord God. I pray that each one of our hearts would be open to receive it, and God, that none of us would leave this place the same, but that we would all be changed. We ask these things now in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 So God is always calling us back to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is crying out to you even today. He's saying, come back to me. Come to me. Pursue me. Come after me, because this is where you will find your peace. This is where you will find your purpose, and this is where you will find your hope. But the question that I have this morning is, what does it take to get there? How are we going to do this, church? How are we going to go into the presence of God? How are we going to pursue Him and encounter Him? How are we going to go after the things of God? What's it going to take? Well, we're going to use one of my favorite scriptures to explain how to do this. And it's in Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. In Psalm 24, David is writing this, and he says this, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands... And a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive 
blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. So here it is. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may pursue him? Who may go after the things of God? Who may pursue their first love? Who may do it? And this is what the psalmist says. He says, this is who's going to be able to do it. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Okay, well, that lines up with, with, with the New Testament scriptures because Jesus says the pure in heart shall see God. So he who has clean hands and a pure heart shall be able to see God, will be able to come into his presence. And then it says, he who has not, not lifted up his soul to an idol, okay, that makes sense, nor sworn deceitfully. Okay, so church, if there's anybody here like this, you can go into the presence of God. And then all the rest of us will try and follow you in there. Because I know for me, I'm already disqualified. I don't know about you, but I'm disqualified. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Can I honestly stand up here today, church, and say, as your pastor, I am 100% pure. You know, I've spent my whole life in a closet. And my parents kept me there with a Bible and some water and some bread. And I would fast three days a week, not because I wanted to, but because that's what I was told to do. And I would fast and I would pray. And then they let me out of the closet to come preach to you every Sunday not reality. It's not reality. Here's the reality. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, that includes me. He who has clean hands and pure heart can come before the Lord. Who else? Who has not lifted up their soul to an idol? Can we honestly say this morning that we've never lifted up our souls to an idol? Just to bring this home, have you ever chosen the Super Bowl over church prayer? I have. Uh, have you ever chosen to pick up your phone in the morning before you pick up your Bible? Can we just bring this home? Come on, I know I have. Have you ever put money over God? Not sworn deceitfully. He has not lifted up his soul to an idol. What's the last one? Sworn deceitfully. What does that mean? Lied. <laughs> We're hooped. Have a nice day. There's hot dogs outside. We're hooped. That's the point. We can't do it. We can't come into the presence of God. Now, if the psalmist had stopped there, if that was the end of the psalm, this is a very depressing message. God is calling us back to himself, but we can't possibly get there. What do we need to do? Well, then he goes on to say this. Wait a minute. He says this. He shall receive blessing from the Lord. And what else will he receive? Righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now, wait, wait a minute. Didn't it just say that I had to be righteous to get into the presence of God? Didn't it just say that that was a prerequisite for me to be able to access his presence, to pursue his love, to go after the things of God? I had to be righteous and have it all together. Isn't that what it just said? Pure heart, clean hands, not lifted up your soul to an idol, not lied, sworn deceitfully. It already said that that's what I needed to do. Why would it say that I will receive righteousness if I'm already supposed to be righteous? And then it says this. Oh, by the way, an example of this, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. And then I thought to myself, why would it say Jacob? Well, if you wanted to pick an example from the Bible that's like exemplary that we should try to live up to, wouldn't they have picked somebody like, I don't know, Enoch? 
who the Bible says walked with God and was no more. He was so intensely close to God that he just disappeared one day. Didn't die, just gone. What about Elijah? Elijah, who, who walked with God, the prophet of God, and, and, and was taken away in a chariot of fire before the Lord. What about the generation of Jesus? They could have prophetically looked ahead and said, listen, this is the generation of the Son of God. Who seeks him, who seeks his face. But no, they, they chose a man by the name of Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Jacob. I just want to know that you're still awake. Thank you. Jacob. Jacob is who they chose. And what do we know about Jacob? See, Jacob was a troublemaker. Jacob had issues. Jacob, his name literally meant deceiver. Jacob was the second of two boys. He was a twin, actually, but his, his older brother Esau came out a few moments before him. And so all of his life, he had been under the shadow of his big brother. He had a different outlook on life than his big brother, who was uh, kind of a man of the field, is what the Bible, I think, believes it says, is that he would go out and he would hunt, and he was a hunter, and he was an outdoorsman, he was a man's man. And then Jacob was here, and he was just kind of doing his thing. We don't even know what that is. Apparently, he was a disappointment to his dad. I don't know. But he had issues. He had daddy issues. He had all sorts of issues. Jacob was a deceiver. He was such a deceiver that when it came time for his father Isaac to pass on the blessing and the inheritance to the oldest son, because that's how it worked in those days, the oldest would get everything, Jacob actually went in and pretended to be his older brother to the point that his brother was a very hairy man. And um, I can relate to that. And, um, and he actually took a, a lamb's skin, lamb's fur, put it on his arms, and, and, and then put the, the, the smell of the field on himself, probably rolled around in the field for a little bit, and then took on his mannerisms and went in because his dad was basically blind and pretended to be his older brother, and he stole the birthright and the blessing from his older brother by deceiving. Then instead of standing up and saying, oh, yeah, that's what I did, he runs away. Doesn't even stand up for it. Takes it and runs. He's gone. Goes and finds his uncle Laban, who's in another uh, area, another country, another uh, area in the area there. And he, he finds him and he, and, uh, uh, away from him and joins up with him, begins to serve him, falls in love with Laban's younger daughter, Rachel. He's got two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And, and then he gets deceived. And the father has him marry the older daughter instead of the younger one. And he has to work for seven years to pay for the second daughter. It's, it's weird how it worked back then. I'm not going to get into this. This is, not, um, uh, 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 this is not the Bible telling us how we ought to work marriage in the modern times. Just so we're clear about that. Okay? We can talk about that theology later. But, but he, so he, and he marries Rachel. And he marries Rebecca, uh, uh, Leah. And then, at the end of that time, rather than going to his father-in-law like a man... Yes, Father, we are done and we are moving on. He sneaks out and deceives his father-in-law. Not only that, but his, his young wife, Rachel, takes the family idols with her and steals them from the house. Hello, who's not lifted up their soul to an idol? In, in Jacob's own household, his wife is stealing idols so that they can take them with them. The family gods go with them as they flee from Laban. This guy has issues. This guy is not your model example of someone that should be climbing to the presence of God. This guy has problems. So why, why would they reference Jacob? 
Well, I think we find the answer here in the story that we read earlier. So where we are at here is, is we come to this part where he's fled from his father-in-law. He's going back to the land of his father. He's going back to, um, to, to confront and meet up with his older brother, who he, he at this point believes is ready to kill him and destroy him. He's, there's lots of stress on his life. His, he, um, his wife is deceiving. He's been deceiving. He's been deceived. His life has been all about deception. And he's making his way back to where he feels like God is calling him to go. And we come to him here on the banks of a creek all by himself. And the Bible tells us that a man came and wrestled with him. And when the Bible puts a capital letter beside a word, when it gives a a word like a man or an angel, often what that refers to is um, it's called a a theocracy. or It's it's where where God appears to man. And we believe that what he's doing here, the Bible tells us that he was not wrestling with just an angel. He was wrestling with the angel. He was wrestling with God. And Jacob, God appears to him in the form of a man, and they begin to wrestle, and they begin to go at it. And Jacob continues to wrestle with him. And as he's wrestling, this, this, this man, this angel, reaches out, God reaches out and touches his hip socket, and it shrinks, and it goes out of joint. And so now Jacob is wounded. And he's still wrestling. And he grabs on to God, and, and God says, let me go. And he says, no, 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 I won't let you go until you bless me. And God turns to him and blesses him and changes his name. I want to pull out three observations this morning about Jacob that I think are going to bless you and tell us a little bit about this, this, this Jacob generation that the Bible's talking about. What is it that set Jacob apart? Why did they pick Jacob? Number one. Jacob would not allow his past to hold him back from pursuing the blessing of God. You see, Jacob wasn't perfect, but he had a pursuit. And it's not in the perfection of our lives where God can meet us and bless us, but it's actually in the pursuit. Because the Bible has told us that he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That Jesus has paid the price for our sins and our deceptions and our lies and our brokenness. And he's paid the price for that so that we can stand before God today pure and righteous. Here's what it says in Isaiah 43 verses 18. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Church, this is our God. What did Jacob do? He said, listen, I've got all this stuff in my past. He was in the presence. He had a moment where he could pursue, and he chose to lay aside all those things from his past to go after the greater thing, which is God. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he said, In an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And what happened to Jacob? Because he pursued God and would not let him go. Because he went after the things of God and would not allow his past to limit him or keep him from the presence of God. Because he made a choice that I'm going to go after the things of God regardless of what other people have said about me or what I've even done in my past. What happened? God turned around and gave him a great gift and changed his name. 
And by the way, in the Old Testament, your name often represented your identity. So, so Jacob's name was changed, and his name originally meant deceiver. And God says, no, you're no longer going to be deceiver. You come after me, and I'm going to change you. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to make you a new creation. Yeah. And this is what he said. Your new name is Israel, which means God prevails. God prevails. Come on. Jacob thought it's about me. i got to figure this out. i got to work this out. i got to make this happen. But in the end, when he encountered the presence of God, he recognized and he was forced to recognize that it was God who was going to prevail in his life. And he was never the same from that moment forward. So number one, Jacob would not allow his past to hold him back from pursuing the blessing of God. Church, we must not allow the things of our past. Maybe even this summer, you've had a summer to forget. I know what you did last summer. Like, there, like maybe, you, maybe you've been doing, maybe you've been going some places this summer. Maybe you're doing some things that you know that you shouldn't be doing. Listen, today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Today is the time to, to, to choose to pursue and turn your life towards Jesus and go after the things of God. Today is the day, church. Now is the time. Number two, Jacob was relentless in his pursuit of the blessing of God. Come on, they were wrestling. The angel, uh, God came and touched his hip and put it out of joint, and he was in pain. And he was feeling it, and, and he turned to God, and he turned to, this, to, to, the, to God as a man and the angel, and he, he grabbed a hold of the angel, and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. How many know that God is looking for people who are not perfect but are in pursuit? God is looking for people who are not perfect but are in pursuit. And there's got to be a part, uh, there's got to be a time where we make a choice, church, to say, listen, I might not be perfect or this might not be going well, but I know one thing for sure. I will not let go of the Lord. I'm going to hold tight. Look, I know that the world right now might be shaking. I know that COVID might be happening again. I know that you know, there might be wars and rumors of wars, and there might be cryptocurrencies that are falling like, like bricks all over the place. And, and we know that the market might be changing, and we know that all these things. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes. And I'm not going to let you go until I get the blessing. I'm not going to let you go, Lord. I'm going to hold tight. I'm going to hold fast. Come on, in Isaiah 50, verse 7, it says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Can we be a people that will lay a hold of the things of God and hold tightly? Can we be a people that will pursue him with all of our hearts? Psalm 27, verse 8 says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face I will seek. Come on, can we be a people that will say that? When God's calling out to you even today, Would you seek my face? Your heart. Yes, Lord, here I come. I'm coming after you. I want to pursue you. I want to know you. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Again, even in this example, there's grace. Lay aside the weight and sin. It implies that we have sin in our lives. And this is what he says, just lay it aside. Put it down. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Put it at the feet of the cross, foot of the cross. Lay down your burdens and come after me. 
Church, I believe this is a daily call to us. That when you wake up in the morning, you need to set your mind that today I'm going to go after the things of God. What does that look like in, like really, in all practicality? It looks like, man, it looks like, um, well, when you come to a church service in the morning and nothing's working in the back. And you say, God, it's not about that. It's about you. And I'm going to glorify you and not let myself be distracted because I'd rather have Jesus. You know that it looks like? It looks like um, uh, when you get up in the morning and, and you get your tax bill. Instead of the first word that comes to your mind, might be, I don't know what it is. It's like, okay, God, I know that you are my provider, and I turn to you. It looks like when your kids, and you just don't, I'm just going to stop right there, because you don't even know what to do past that sentence. Have you ever been there? What are we going to do? I'm going to rely on the Lord. I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to lay my burden down at the cross and say, God, come, have your way. Work in us. Come on. Let's be relentless in our pursuit of the blessing of God. And here's the last one, you guys, and then I'll close, and we'll have some hot dogs. You with me? Jacob was willing to pay the price for the encounter that would mark him for life. He was willing to pay the price. Here's the thing about Jacob. He was all in. He's like, I, I'm, I'm past the point of caring about, you know, myself and, 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 and that I feel good. I, I'm, all, I, I'm all in. In Hosea chapter 12, verse 4, it gives us another, uh, uh, another view into this struggle. And it says this, yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed, but he wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. When Jacob was wrestling with this angel, this wasn't just like a nice little, you know, neat little uh, kind of wrestling match and maybe hitting somebody. This was like full-on war. And it wasn't fair. Because how many know that this is kind of ridiculous? Jacob can't win. (laughs) You get that? Like, there's nothing he can do. Like, this is, like, I grew up. I didn't really watch a lot of wrestling, but I knew about the wrestlers. And there was this guy by the name of Andre the Giant. Everybody ever heard of him in, in WWF? And, and the guy was so big that all he'd have to do is just turn around and sit on somebody, and it would be over. Like, it, it, was, it was all over. You couldn't, you couldn't win. Jacob couldn't win. In fact, it was so bad that when he was wrestling him, all that the angel, all God had to do is t- reach out and touch his hip and put it out of joint. Anybody ever had a, um, something go out of joint? Anybody know how painful that is? Right, like it's it's stinking painful, and so the Bible says he was in tears. Yeah, he was in tears. Like he was done. He was he was like I I, I don't I have nothing left, and the and the angel said let go of me. He said no, all I got left is to hold on to you. And the angel goes exactly. Because when you have nothing left, and all you have is him, you have enough. When you have nothing left, <laughs> and there's nothing more that you can do, you have enough because you have him. God is working in the midst of this to remind Jacob that he is greater. And what, is it, what does Jacob get for all of this? He gets a limp. For the rest of his life, he's marked 
by a moment. He's marked by a moment. And now his friends are coming to him saying, hey, you're kind of walking different. You look a little bit different. What, what, what is it? What happened to you? And there's a testimony to the limp. Yeah. Well, I had this moment where I chose and I, I decided that more than money, and I, and I decided that more, more than my relationships, more than, more than feeling personal comfort, I had this moment where I, I sold out. And I said, you know what this is all about for me? So this is all about Jesus. See, it's not about me, and it's not about my comfort, and it's not about my things. It's about him. So, so why, are you, why, are you, why are you giving money to the church? Because it's not about me. It's, it's about him. So, so why do you get up on a Sunday morning when, when you could be watching football, which you can do later, by the way, something called PVR. It's powerful. Try it. Because I've been marked, and I'd rather have Jesus. There's something that's different about you. There's a limp. The limp was a constant reminder that God was greater than him and blessed him in spite of himself. Remember, the hip was out of joint. He was done. There was nothing he could do anymore. And when he came to that point and said, I, I, there's nothing more I can do. What do you want from me? God said, that's exactly it right there. Yeah. I'm going to meet you right there in your weakness. And the Bible says that in our weakness, we are strong. Yeah. It's called grace. Luke 9, 23 to 24 says this. He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So let's review. Jacob would not allow his past to hold him back from pursuing the blessing of God. Is there something in your past this morning that you feel has put a hold on you and is keeping you back from his presence? Hey, Colin, you want to come? Number two, Jacob was relentless in his pursuit of the blessing of God. When was the last time that you tried to lay a hold of the things of God? When was the last time that you made a conscious decision that you were going to make every effort to pursue his presence? See, God is calling us back to our first love. But really what God is calling us to is a deeper love and a deeper intimacy with him. A deeper experience in the presence of God. Life Church, would we be a people that would lay a hold of that and not let go? And number three, Jacob was willing to pay a price for the encounter that would mark him for life. The Bible says, What is it proud of man if he gains the whole world? yet loses his soul. What if the greatest treasure in life is not the things that we acquire? What if it's not the career? What if it's not the dog and the car and the kids and all the other things? What if that longing that exists within all of us is actually a desire that has been placed there by our maker? to come into relationship and to know him. And so just as we close today, as we close this time of the word, there's a few things I want to give opportunity for. 
The first thing is, if you've never known this God, maybe you're online, you're watching right now, and you've never known this God, and you've never given yourself to pursue him, and maybe right now there's something in you that's starting to, right within you, there's something that's starting to stir, and you're saying, yeah, you know what, I'm feeling that right now, I'm sensing that, there's something in me that's always been longing for it, and I didn't even know what it was. I want to tell you this morning that his name is Jesus. That he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're hearing this message this morning, you're saying, no, no, you don't understand. I've already been disqualified. I've already failed at this. I've already messed up. Can I just tell you, there is no sin too great. There is no chasm too wide that our God cannot bridge it. And just like Jacob, I want to challenge you this morning. Turn to him. Turn to Jesus. Because he's here to meet with you now. Just in case. I always want to make room. The presence of God is here. I'd like everybody just, I'm just out of uh, honoring and respect for others. Let's just close our eyes for just a moment. And I, and I want to give an opportunity, if there is anybody here this morning, to say, I don't know this God. I don't know this Jesus. And this morning, I want to make a step towards following him. If that's you, you've never received Jesus, you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian today. You say, but I want to understand more about what that means, and I want to pursue him, and I'd like to know him as well. If there's anybody, eyes closed, just for a moment, just out of respect. Is anybody here that would say, that's me this morning. I want to know him. Could I just, could you just raise your hand wherever you are? Thank you. Anybody? Yeah. If that's you and, and you've never received Jesus before, you've never invited him into your heart, um, what I'm going to do right now, and actually I'm just going to do this for even those that are online that are watching that might be joining with us right now and, and might be sensing that in their hearts. And, and just as a group, as an act of grace and love for one another, we're going to pray a prayer this morning together, okay? And then, and then um, I'm going to give an opportunity for some more of you to respond if you'd like to. But let's just do this right now. Everybody just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, I want to know you. And I invite you to come into my life. Jesus, I repent. I turn from my sin. And I ask you to make me pure. I receive you this morning and ask that my life would never be the same as I give it to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, You've just made a decision that is going to change your life. 
And if you did just pray that prayer for the first time today, I'd like you to come after the service and find either myself or my wife or pastors Mike or Ev. And we'd love to be able to chat with you, maybe get you a Bible, maybe pray with you as well. If you are online and you prayed that prayer today, you can email us at office at lifechurchw.com. And we'll have a prayer team member that will follow up with you this morning and give you the opportunity uh, to get a better understanding and answer any questions that you might have. But I believe that if you took that step this morning, that your life will never be the same. It will never be the same. And now just one last thing as we close. And if you're here today and you heard that message and something in you was stirred and you said, yes, I want to go after the things of God. I want to make a decision. I want to be that Jacob generation that seeks him, that seeks his face. Again, it's not in your perfection. It's in your pursuit. If that's you this morning, you say, I want to go after, I want to make a choice. This morning, I'm putting my foot down. This is the day of salvation. And what I was doing in the past, I'm no longer going to do. Today, I make a choice to turn from my sin and to turn towards the things of God. And I'm going after them, and I'm re-engaging in my pursuit of the Lord. If you want to just make a bold statement about that today, I'm not even going to give you the chance to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you just to stand up as an act of faith. Is there anybody here? Thank you. Come on. Take a step. Amen. Come on. Jesus, have your way. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for those that are the radicals that stand up for you, Lord God. I pray right now for everybody here this morning or the sound of my voice, God. Why don't we all just stand together? Why don't we all just stand together? I pray for everybody here under the sound of my voice, Lord God. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to stir within us, Lord God, a passion for your presence, Lord God. Father, we pray that you would do a deep work within us, Lord Jesus. Lord God, that we would go, as your word says, from glory to glory, Lord God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you encounter people even where they're at today. Lord, I pray this week for surprise encounters with the presence of God. I pray in car rides, Lord Jesus. I pray at work, Lord God. I pray at school, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, in whatever we're doing this week, Lord God, that you would come and counter us, Lord God, with your presence. Father God, we ask, Lord God, for a fresh desire and a fresh anointing to pursue you. We know that it is your grace that we are saved by, Lord God, not anything that we've ever done, Lord God. So we can't boast in it, Lord God, but we can boast in you. And we pray that this week we would walk in that, that we would boast in you. And we pray that as Life Church, God, we re-engage in the pursuit of you. And we declare that we will be relentless and we will go after it, and we will not let go until you bless us. Because our heart is for you. Our heart is for you. Our heart is for you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.